Are you up for the adventure of a lifetime? Join us as we look into the latest rage in cruising, Expedition Cruising. And as always, folks, if you enjoy this content, please like, subscribe, and turn on all notifications to get notified each time we post. I'm joined today by Linda and Rich Skinner, owners of Cruise Holidays of Woodenville, based in Kirkland, Washington. Rich and Linda and their team of professional travel advisors have been crafting luxury cruise and land vacations for satisfied guests in and around Washington and across the country since 2001. Hi, folks. Welcome back to RTE Travel Talk. Hi. It's so good to be here. Good to see you, Ken. Great to have you back with us, folks. So as you guys know, one of the emerging trends that we're starting to see in cruising these days is what's known as expedition cruises or cruising. And I was hoping that you could enlighten our viewers and listeners on just what is an expedition cruise and why is it hot at the moment? Where do they go and who are they for? How does that sound? That sounds good. I, I'll tell you, let me take a whack at that first, Ken. Okay. You know, exploration and expedition cruising has been around a long, long time. I guess you could say it started with Christopher Columbus, maybe, and Magellan, and, and then you went to Sir Francis Drake, and then you went <laughs> to the more modern ones like uh, Raoul Amundsen and Shackelford and Robert Perry. And so there's been a lot of history of exploration, and it's really captured the imagination of the quote unquote, common man right. uh, to be part of that exploration and find new things, find our world, find out what's going on in our world, being able to explore it. And so I think that's been one of the keys that has kind of led to this, what I call explosion of cr expedition cruising, because it really is an explosion. Uh, although it's minor compared to the major part of cruising because your ships are very small, but it still is something that is now taking hold and is really becoming kind of a major force in the cruise industry. Well, there's, there's a, there's a trend towards smaller ships to begin with. So mm -hmm. let me, let me give you just a thumbnail, you know, just on some trends, you know, the regular cruising industry really started as an offshoot of passenger cruises that, you know, passengers taking people from Europe to America yep. and, yeah. and other places. And what are you going to do in the off season? Well, they ran vacation cruises dirt cheap. And that kind of started the cruise industry. And then it moved forward and you started getting some of the new companies like Norwegian Cruise Line and Carnival Cruise Line and, and the big guys now, Royal Caribbean. And they started out and then you started going to this, what I call the race to the top. And it was, <laughs> how big can you build it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 1,000 tons more than you are. And instead of 1,000 people, I now have 3,000 people. And, and now we're now we're up to six thousand people. Now we're up to six thousand. <laughs> just uh, the old joke about they're going to eventually have a ship that is the front end of the ship is in Miami and the back is it is in Nassau. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's how big the ships are. But you know, it's been the market has been segmenting all the time. It's been doing that, and you really kind of had a falling out of what's going on in cruising. So now, like the big ships primarily multi-generational. So you got families, they want to have a lot of things to do for everybody in the family. Big ships are perfect for them. But then you have the people maybe who have been on a lot of cruises and they want to have something different. So we had the big ships and we had that the large amount of cruising, making cruising a mass market product. And I can remember when I got in the business, 3 million passengers was the goal for Clea. And now it's 
way over 10, 20, some huge number like that. And it's just grown as being more of a mainstream vacation offering than it was as a as kind of a niche thing that a few people would do. And as, as it becomes mass market, has become uh, segmented. And we noticed in the late 90s that things like river cruising were starting to come into the fore. And we, uh, we saw that just taking hold enormously. We saw Viking uh, using the power of Downton Abbey to market <laughs> river cruising, which caught on in a big way. And yeah. it, it really was very successful. So uh, we saw that. We also saw some small ships starting to emerge, small ship companies like Seaborn mm -hmm. and Silver Sea and Azamara and some of those who are offering smaller size ships to the clientele that did not want all the bells and whistles of the giant ships. So really you saw some, some evolution in that area. And then recently in the last few years, we've now seen the emergence of what we call the expedition cruise segment. Uh, you know, an expedition cruising started out with being uh, people who were willing to rough it and go on maybe a university Arctic uh, research vessel and, and eat whale blubber and, you know, all that <laughs> really, really tough stuff for pe right. tough people. Uh, but it's evolved from that. And you had some some of the players like National Geographic and and Abercrombie and Kent, some of the other guys starting to develop product, which really went to more exotic locations. And the whole idea was to be able to go someplace that probably none of your neighbors have ever been to. And maybe they all want to go there, but they've never been to and You kind of have like a badge that you've been to Antarctica or you've been to Borneo or you've been to Madagascar right. or you've been someplace unusual. So it was really kind of the evolution, so to speak, of, of how we are in the industry. So I think that's where we're going. Part of that, too, Hunt, is that uh, Rich, is that that it used to be that cruising when it first started out was about the ship and cruising and, go, you know, being on the ship and doing things on the ship. And there's still a little bit of that, but it has now, I mean, that gets old after a while, I think. Yeah. And so now it becomes the destination. You know, what kind of destination can you go to? Uh, you know, you see that Viking has kind of opened that up with, you know, you spend a whole lot more time with, with on shore than you do on the ship you know, that kind of thing. So I think there's that change over too. And that's kind of opened itself up to this expedition idea because, you know, you're, you get an exotic, very different kind of destination right. with, with those. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. Is so if I hear you correctly, ex expedition cruising is destination and experience driven. And, exactly. and another difference is with the bigger ships and the larger cruise lines, they're really driven by how much you buy on board. Onboard revenue is king is kind of what their model yes. is. But for expedition cruising, that's not the case. You're going to pay for your cruise up front and it's going to be very expensive. And you're going to you, that's that's part of the deal that goes along with it. There's no no casinos. Uh, there's no lavish stage shows. There's no uh, any number of things that you might have on the big ships. But uh, in fact, I think that maybe is a good point where Linda can talk about what the average expedition passenger might look like. Ah, the, uh, the average passenger. Well, actually, it you know, they all of the expedition cruise companies kind of give a profile for what their passenger right. and they 
They talk about things like they, you know, they are risk takers. They tend to be people who like to do things a little bit out of the box. They have very high curiosity and they want to visit different kinds of places. Um, you know, they usually have a pretty good net worth because, um, you know, they've done a lot of travel. It's, it's, you don't find a lot of first timers going on, on expedition, you know, so it tends to be a little bit younger and adventurous, um, right. you know, because in, in everyone's mind, it is that type of a thing where you're going to be doing a lot of physical activity and things like that. And so they're looking for something really different and energetic. And uh, so that's, you know, that's the expedition. So if we were to buttonhole an, an age range on, on board one of these ships, are we talking 40-somethings or? Rich, can you remind me? I'm, I'm thinking it was like 45 to 65 type. Yeah, of most of that's the case. However, because uh, that niche attracts younger people, right. very successful younger people. It might be right. the 30-year-old who has a, a million and a half dollar home, has yeah. a couple of Teslas, uh, uh, yeah. you know, a custom-made carbon bicycle, custom 5,000. I mean, people <laughs> who have lots of disposable income. Right. So it can, it, it can skew a little younger, so you could find yeah. you. You could find quite other, a range of people, and it's kind of based on their on their ability. It's more, to, yeah, more forward. than age. I think mm -hmm. it because because you do have people in their eighties, and even yeah. some late people in their nineties who yeah. are extremely active. Yeah. Some of the ships are kind of opening up to where even people who maybe are a little bit mobility challenged can still experience the the Antarctica and things like that. Maybe not in the same depth that someone who can really get out and walk on the ice can do, but they can still. But that's wonderful. I think a lot of the lines are realizing, you know, okay, as as the boomer generation is moving up into this where they're yeah. They're still wanting to get that adventure, but they maybe can't physically handle it. You know, I see them kind of doing things that could help with that. Oh, but for some of the more extreme expeditions, some of the cruise lines even require you have medical clearance. Before. Yeah. Well, and medical clearance to do some of the things like the polar plunge, you know, you're not, they're not going to throw you in ice, ice, freezing ice water if your heart can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> the last cruise. So. In, you know, in you know, in terms of destinations, where do they where do they mostly go? Well, you know, uh, you see a lot of Arctic, Antarctic. In mm -hmm. fact, Antarctic, the, it's only the expedition ships who can go to Antarctica. Right. The big ships can go down in that area, but you cannot get off them and go right. to any place. In and you can't area. really go into some of the bays and things like that. Right. That are yeah. There's there are international treaties that govern the size of the number of people you can bring into these locations because they're fragile ecological destinations. Right. In Antarctica, you can only have 100 people at a time ashore. You can't have any more than that. And uh, so it's it's kind of restricts exactly the number of people who can do it. Un unlike Galapagos, if you look at a warm weather exotic, yeah. Again, they restrict as well. So uh, you know, Galapagos is another one. A lot of the cruise line expedition now will 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 tie in Machu Picchu uh, to have a side trip to go there right. as well to Galapagos. So you're seeing a lot of that stuff. 
Um, one of the uh, itineraries we'll talk about a little bit later is uh, Northwest Passage, where you leave from Reykjavik and you end up in Nome across the top. Wow. wow. <laughs> so it's kind of, kind of unusual. So it's exotic, very different kind of itineraries on, on these in most cases. And that's kind of how it started out. Probably the prime, when people think of this, they think of Antarctica or the Arctic Circle, going into even in the fjords and, and places like that. You think of ice. Yeah. Any place there's a lot of ice. <laughs> <laughs> and and that that is, um, you know, because they all have reinforced halls for going into the... Into They're the all what they call P6, which means they can go over new ice, the ice from the season, and they can go when it's in the summer, whatever the summer season is for that destination. There's right. one ship, only one ship that I know of that has a P2 a designation making them really an icebreaker and they can go on most places that icebreakers can go so it's kind of super hardened hull and specially designed but some of them do africa different yeah. places in africa yeah. uh, you know so there's there's quite a few different itineraries that they do but if you i just exotic is the only thing i can think yeah. of is repeating that they tend to be more exotic places so the world the world is basically your oyster yes. wow wow what cruise lines come to mind when they that offer expedition cruising folks well there's there's a lot of them uh you have some of the real kind of one off ones like hurtigurton and quark and a and k and national geographic they kind of like and swan Hill. they have like one ship basically right. and it's and it's kind of their deal uh that they really have kind of their niche audience that they go after that are some of the people who they they like but some of the bigger ones that are really uh gaining a foothold and doing exceptionally well uh are viking and let's okay. talk about that in a, a bit uh silver sea which uh went into the expedition boat several years ago and really is pushing hard for that and then a company that we, we kind of enjoy called Ponant, which is a French company uh, and, and has been in sailing yachts primarily and kind of like kind of exotic small ships. And uh, they uh, they have a new ship, which is spectacular. So those are some of the some of the ones. That, now, you like I said, you can go on Celebrity or Holland or Princess or or anybody and go down to the Antarctic region or even in some of them will go up through the polar areas, but not into the ice areas. Right. And, uh, and they'll they'll you can do those kinds of so basically with the contemporary lines if if you choose, go that road it's basically a drive-by exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Really is. as opposed to actually get, and view yeah. it and go yeah. oh there it was <laughs> yeah as, as as opposed to getting out out on the ice and shaking hands with a penguin yeah, exactly. there you go there you go i had a friend once tell me in uh, talking about Alaska cruising, he says, if you're just doing Alaska cruising, you don't do not do the inland and go up to Denali and Fairbanks and do that stuff. It's like going to Disneyland and not getting out of the parking lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's sure. kind of like that. <laughs> One of the questions that we've seen come across the wire about expedition cruising, are they all inclusive? Somewhere. Well, <laughs> let me put it this way. If you take a silver sea, and right. Use them as an example. They will pick you up at your house in a transfer and take you to the airport. They will put you on the airplane economy. You get you can have a reduced price business if you want it. They'll put you in a hotel when you get to the to the transfer point. 
They'll put you up overnight in the hotel. The next day, they'll transfer you out of the airport, fly you to whatever destination, exotic destination that the, that the cruise leaves from, put you up in a hotel if necessary, put you on the ship. You do the cruise, come back, they put you in the hotel again, fly you back, fly all of us back, put you in a car and take you home. So it's door-to-door -door services all included in the price. That's pretty much all inclusive. Yeah, that, that doesn't get, get so, much better than that. You don't have to miss Not home. every expedition is like that. does that, you know. Yeah. It, so that's why I say it, it kind of depends on the, the line mm -hmm. um, that you're talking about. But it's mostly all inclusive there. But some lines have extras that you can purchase. There's, right there's not a lot of, you know, the shore excursions are included. And big difference here, you don't have choice in shore excursions on the expedition. You go where you can go. And right. when you when you have a program where it says you're going to be in X place the next day, you might be in Y place the next day because the weather not going to let you get into X. You just got to go with it. That's the way it works. Safety yeah, and that's what all of them talk about, flexibility. The passengers have to be flexible because they are so dependent, especially going into Antarctica. That is, right. you you know, they they say, here's your itinerary, but it it also has every disclaimer, you know, weather permitting, um, you know, all of the things that they talk about. You don't know. If you know, you may be planning yeah. to go, they they that's why everybody two of the things that you have on an expedition cruise that are really important is you have the briefing ahead of time, and then you have at the end of the day, you have your coming together and sharing what we experienced and all that kind of thing. It's a it's a real group type of it, an adventure, you know, and of course, because you're going on an adventure, you know, when you're with a group of people and you're on your adventure, it kind of bonds you together. So it really bonds and friendships develop from this. And, you know, cause you're doing something exciting together and you really are dependent on one another for your safety and all of those kinds of things. So it is kind of exciting in that way, you so, know, you have that ability, but that is an important part of it. Yeah. So really it's a 100% total different experience as opposed to, yes, an a regular ocean cruise line. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they describe it as an immersive experience. Right. You're going to immerse, be fully immersed into places that you know that are defy you know, the, the penguins and the the seals and the orcas and the everything else, the birds, everything you're going to see there that probably aren't any other place in the world. And it's something that you're going to remember for your entire life. That's. I'm sure there's people that'll do it more than once, but it's a once in a lifetime thing. It wow. is. It yeah. is. Wow. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Viking talks, the ads talk about, you know, be curious. Have you seen that ad? Be curious. That yeah. They do. And, and that curiosity is uh, another key part is those people really want to learn about. So, so just about all the ships have um, great, scientists on board to help you understand the culture and the environment uh, that you're going to be in. And, and they do, uh, I mean, they have huge teams of people who are there to guide you on this experience and help you to understand 
what is you know what's going on what what each animal is and what what part they play in the environment and you know most of them have some kind of a scientific lab where you can actually they do research for scientific companies out there and it's happening on these some of these ships that are going out because they're they're dual purposing having the experience plus they're doing scientific research and they're all all the ships uh, are very mindful of being very green and making sure that they're not damaging the environment as they're doing this so there's it's a it's an it's a very interesting product wow, wow. an ex example can is when you wear your boots your yeah. wellingtons to go ashore you have to go through a boot washing machine both going and coming back because they don't want to get any stuff that's on your boots to contaminate either the environment yeah or they do uh, have every every ship has a a thing that you walk through that's sanitizing your boots before you're able to get off onto the land how how long are these as a rule generally they tend to stay from 10 days and up because it's not a seven-day product by and large. right for example in antarctica you've got two days in the drake passage Right. Uh, both going and coming or they call it the Drake Lake or the Drake mistake. Yeah. Uh, and, and you, yeah. you don't know what the weather's going to be like down there, but it takes a couple of days back and forth. So right there, you're, you're limited in what you can do. And then the destinations itself, depending upon weather conditions about where you're going to go. Right. So, but they generally tend to stay a minimum of 10 days and can be, uh, what's, what's the one that the Viking has got its world longitudinal world cruise. Yeah. That's, I think it was 70 days, yeah. From but you can take pieces of yeah. that. It, it basically goes from cruising down through along the east coast of Canada right. and and U.S. across the Panama Canal, down the west coast of South America, stopping at Galapagos and Machu Picchu, and then down to uh, around the Cape and into Ushuaia. Ushuaia to go out to Antarctica. Tell me about some of the ships and perhaps the newer ships that are starting to come online that people are excited about. Yeah, let me let me just talk about first the one that's kind of been in the news lately because people who have been watching know that the Crystal Cruises went bankrupt. They're, right. Their owners, uh, I guess the casinos dried up in the lake or something <laughs> <laughs> and they lost the, the cruise line. But it was it was kind of like the a good deal for Silver Sea because they were able to take what was known as the Crystal Endeavor and buy it and call it now the Silver Endeavor. And they added a U in at the end of it to make it the same British spelling and also being the same as Captain Cook's famous ship, the Endeavor. So <laughs> they're pretty smart. But the real genius of the whole deal was it cost Crystal $400 million to build that ship. Right. Silver Seas was able to buy it for 275 and it's one year old. Talk about a depreciation <laughs> coming off the floor. We're like, whoa. But Great deal for Sil Sil Silver Sea. It's too bad about Crystal. Though. It's Yeah, but it's a gorgeous ship. They spent yeah. $1.9 million per stateroom on this ship. Wow. And, but it, it's an absolutely fabulous, gorgeous ship that you'd, you'd really, really enjoy. So it's got all this, you know, the things you'd expect from pool in the back that at night the pool disappears and it becomes a dance floor as it rises up out of the ground. 
and it's got the palm cord and it's got all kinds of stuff that you'd expect on a, on a very expensive crystal cruise. Wow. So, a lot and, of great amenities. Oh yeah. yeah. Everything you can possibly think of. Yeah. Linda, why don't you talk a little bit about our favorite Viking expedition? Yeah, Viking, Viking is so interesting because they, um, you know, one of the things that's kind of nice about Viking is that you, uh, if you've been on one of their ships, you always feel comfortable on any of their ships because they kind of cookie cutter everything so that right. it it's the same experience and uh, the same quality of service and everything. So they've um, introduced last year their, their two expedition cruise ships. And, uh, and this is really the first year that they've been able to actually, you know, be, be using them. And Octanus is the one that, that I recently have, you know, been looking at. And right. it has the Viking cultural feel. And that is that it has the very kind of, I call it casual elegance. You know, they, it has that beautiful, all the staterooms are gorgeous. They, you know, every every part of the ship, there's a lot of uh, thought that goes into it and how they, you know, develop it. Right. And so if you're a long a longtime Viking customer, you can feel really comfortable. And if you're new to Viking, I think you'll get a really good idea of uh, that. And that's why they have a lot of repeat customers. They've taken that whole, like I said, curiosity and cultural experience and you know learning about and they've applied it to how they do this product so they have the science labs at interactive they have you know the they have submarines on board that can go down into i think there's six passenger uh submarines that you can go down into the ocean and get a view also they have um the boat that launches from the ship for for viewing things right you know they have the typical zodiac right where you have to load in you yeah. know to the zodiac but they also have this boat where literally someone in a wheelchair could be wheeled up to it loaded onto it strapped into the seat it rolls off the back of the boat wow and then goes out and takes people sightseeing in whatever area they they want to be in wow and then it comes back and it rolls back up into the boat. <laughs> the hangar, they have a hangar. And it's it's literally called the hangar. That's where that's where they keep their uh, zodiacs. They keep their kayaks because kayaking is big and this type of thing, you know, expedition cruising. And then you have um, all of the things that are normal to Viking. You have. Um, the specialty restaurant, as well as the regular dining room, they don't have two specialty restaurants, but they have um, the the one specialty restaurant plus a lot of other like beautiful little air, seating areas. They have a they have a section on the ocean liner that they call the living room, which is on the lower deck. Well, the living room here is on I think it was the fifth deck is yeah. where the living room is. Right. On and and just a. Uh, I, that was one of my favorite things on Viking was sitting in the living room and reading my <laughs> book and drinking my coffee. You know, it was it's, it feels like you're in a living room. You know, it's yeah. it's very comfortable. So they have that. But on expedition, they have the science lab. They have the um, room where this is. A, I never know how to pronounce it. A U. 
Allah. Yeah. This is a theater that has a 270 degree view windows, just beautiful. Just showing this is amazing. And you sit there and if you, if they want to do a show, they drop down a screen over one of the windows and it's a big, huge screen and they can show all of, they can do a movie, they can show videos of where you're going to be next day if everything goes well. And just a gorgeous, gorgeous theater where they do their lectures, where they do everything. What I, what I think about this ship as I look at it is that it kind of brings the whole idea of expedition cruising to a broader audience. Right. You know, it gives it gives them all the elegance that you might need, but it's also practical, <laughs> you yeah. know, and and so it it is really, I think, a, a very cool product because it's a little bit of a hybrid between what an ocean cruise would be and an expedition cruise. One one of one of the problems with the bigger ships is when they land, the, the locals sometimes are not excited about 5,000 people descending upon their little hamlet. And with these Viking ships now, they go up into the Great Lakes in the summertime and yes. they can go to those little ports because there's only 300 people and it's yeah. they're welcomed and they're yeah. glad to have them there for as, as summer tourism. So it's kind of yeah. like they were smart. They, they plugged into the... Yeah, and it gives them the ability to do things like the Great Lakes and, and things like that. So it opens up some products that they wouldn't be able to do. And and I think we're going to see more of that. It, it opens up a lot yeah. with these smaller ships. Well, you know, just sitting here listening to you folks, we've all been on tons of cruises. And there's only so many times you can go to uh, the casino or so many times you can ride through the wave rider or, or all these things. The idea that you can get involved in a science lab or uh, listen to these lectures, that's going to appeal to a lot of people. Yes. I would think. Yeah. 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 I really think this is a, a wave and travel that is really going to catch on. Yeah because it it is exciting and people want to learn about their yeah. world and that's what i love about travel is that you know experiencing these things helps people to be more understanding and yes. and more tolerant and more you know and they they begin to see how magnificent this planet is i see that with these expedition companies they're they are definitely um, you know, working to be mindful that they save this so that for generations, people can enjoy the beauty of, of the earth, you know. Right. And probably the most ecologically sound expedition ship is a brand new one called Le Commandant Charcot, which is named after a 19th century French explorer who I've never <laughs> heard of before, but it's owned by Ponat. This is a game changer as far as ecological soundness is concerned. It uses liquid natural gas propulsion, but it's also a hybrid and it uses batteries and it takes the waste generated on board, makes it into fuel, which they can use in their engines. So there's no waste uh, there. They have a desalinization plant built into the ship. They have uh, they have telescopes on the outside deck, so if you're someplace you want to see four or five miles away, you can look through these wonderful... Or if you want to watch the stars, you yeah. know, they are 
and and then in case you're a foodie, uh, Alain Dacasse, who's a 21 Michelin star guy, did all of their food, and and their official champagne is Vive Clicquot, and uh, so I mean they do it with very French style, and but very no paper on board, Oops, no paper on board, <laughs> minor technical issue there. Um, no, no paper on board, and and everything is recycled. So, it's my cat jumped up. <laughs> <laughs> did we get cat bombed? Uh, yeah, you did. Cat bombed. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> anyway, that's just an amazing ship, and it and it's an icebreaker, a P two icebreaker, so it can just it. I guess they could use it for whatever. It has a helicopter on board, but they don't take people on it. They use it for scouting the ice ahead. Right. And, and taking emergency food in uh, villages and stuff like that. So I mean, it's just, it's an amazing piece of technology. It'd be fun to see how it works out. Beautiful too. It's, it's a gorgeous ship. Yeah. You know, and, and, and an icebreaker. And an icebreaker. The only really true icebreaker. It would be quite an experience for people. Yeah. Aboard and, that. And not only, you know, they they also have a bridge in the stern of the ship as well as in the forward part. So when you're in the ice, you can back the ship out. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they'll they'll literally ram the yeah. into the ice yeah. so that passengers can get off and walk yeah. on the ice on the ice that's over the ocean. Right. Price wise, Ken, it's not inexpensive just to reinforce that. Um thousand dollars a day is probably a starting point per person. So it gives okay. you some idea just of what it is. But as you talked about earlier, inclusive, it's mostly all inclusive. Price-wise, it's not for everybody. But, you know, really $1,000 a day is not really out of the way. No. If you went to the George Sand Hotel in Paris, you'd probably pay $3,000 a night. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> well, folks, it sounds absolutely amazing. Just absolutely amazing. I, I, I'd be, I would be definitely up for that kind of type of a expedition cruise if folks wanted to book an expedition cruise what's the best way to go about doing that well you know not to not to just toot our own horn but to really be practical for people it is it it's such an intricate product there's so many things that questions that need to be asked and things like that to kind of fit it to what is the right product for that person right so i really think that it is important to work with people that know the products and know and can you know help customize it to what your pocketbook is what your needs are you know that and so working with a, a good travel advisor i think is an important i think that's important in travel these days no matter what yeah but i would agree especially you're 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 not going to you know you're going to spend some pretty good money for this so you want to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck so to speak you know you you, you have somebody that has your back they're not just selling their product they're looking for what fits you and so finding someone who can help you with that we're you know we're happy to do that for you we you know, we know this business well, but, you know, whatever, just look for that because you need to have your, the person in your corner helping you through this process. And and keep in mind, these are only 200 passenger ships in most cases. They only go to certain places, very few numbers of times of the year. So you need to really look at a long time frame. Uh, to make sure you get what you want, because it's not like we go every week. They don't right. go every week. There's seasonal yeah. 
seasonality to them, and there's a lot of other factors. So you really want to be in touch with a with a counselor who can advise you on exactly how to get it all done. Even to the point of what do I have to buy for clothing to go to Antarctica? Because there's guides <laughs> on exactly what you have to do. For sure. Yeah. So you, if I hear you right, you really need a travel advisor as your advocate in order because yes. no, number one, you're going to be making a major investment. Yes. Right. And I would expect that you know at 100 or 200 passengers the ships are always sailing at full capacity yeah. and as a, as a result of that they're probably you probably need you're not you're not going to book that for two months from now no you're, no no you need uh this isn't a last minute sale type of thing <laughs> yeah. you need to think about this a long time in advance and it's not too late to think about 2023 later in the year but you're really better off looking at 2024 and keep in mind the winter in the southern hemisphere is the opposite of the northern so <laughs> january and february is summertime down there yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's, your, that's your time to to do Antarctica. Right on, you know. right on. Well, folks, this has been absolutely great information. I'm looking forward to, to hearing more about that in the future. If folks wanted to reach out to you for the benefit of our podcast listeners, what's the best way to reach you folks? Best way to reach us is through our website. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, call us direct. We actually pick up our phone and answer phone calls. And, <laughs> and um, 425-487-4001 or okay. info at luxurian.com. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. All right, folks. Well, I look forward to hearing more about that. And where are you guys off to next? Where's your next adventure? We're off to Alaska. Oh. Yeah. We're going to celebrate Linda's birthday on the Majestic Princess, sailing oh. from Whittier to Vancouver. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah. It's going to be fun. We're looking forward to it. We'll have to have you back to regale us with all your adventures on Princess Cruises, the love boat. <laughs> and it's coming back again as another TV program. I did not know that. Yes, it is. yes. you know, they're reviving all of those old programs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, folks. Well, until that time, I'm just going to wish you safe and happy cruising. May the wind always be at your back. And I hope to see the both of you on a Lido deck real soon. Sounds good. Take care. Bye. Bye. And that about wraps things up for today, folks. A very special thanks to my guests, Rich and Linda Skinner of Cruise Holidays of Woodenville. If you'd like to reach out to Rich and Linda about a cruise vacation or an expedition cruise, I'll leave their contact information in the description. If you'd like to reach us, simply send a question to questions at realtravelexperts.com, visit our website, realtravelexperts.com, or leave a comment. We always respond. And as always, folks, if you enjoyed this content, please like, subscribe, and ring the bell. It helps us to spread the word, and it's certainly appreciated. So until next time, happy travels! <laughs>